All right, we're live. We're live from uh, Dan's car. Fred's at his place. I'm at home. Dan's on the road taking Colton to... uh, Where are you going? We're going to Montreal. Wow. Look at that. Montreal is uh, where we're we're destined to. He's moving to Montreal this morning. And this is, uh, you know, I have an anticipated crying bags full of uh, tears. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, there'll be a lot of crying. (laughs) When I depart. Yeah. Mother did that yesterday. Oh, gotta say, Colton got a little emotional as well. So that was surprising. I didn't expect that. I thought he'd just be uh, go forward and forget about everything behind. Oh, he will eventually. Yeah. Yeah. What? <laughs> Five minutes later, he was fine. It's, you know, just that moment. Oh yeah. You know, I know. It's very emotional. Howard's gone through it. I went through it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Did, what did you? Which uh, which one was more emotional for you guys? The first kid or the second kid leaving home? Uh, great question, Fred. Do you want to answer it? Because I know my answer. Uh, probably is. the first. It was Mel going to college, and she was yeah. only in Hamilton, which was a bit silly. But the fact that she was actually leaving home was emotional. By the time Danny did it, he was ready. We were ready. Um, <laughs> Oh, no, yeah. really. It was like he so yeah, wanted to do. It. Yeah, you know, he you, so, uh, <clears throat> he so wanted to do it. He was looking for the right opportunity. It came along, so it was like, yeah, like it's like, oh, Dan doesn't live here anymore, but it just wasn't the same. You he mentioned so that weird. the other day when we were talking about this exact subject, and I and I said, you know, I dropped Charlie off in in downtown Toronto where she was staying in residence for the first year away from home, and and same with Mel. It wasn't that they were going so far away; is that they were just leaving. Yeah, um, they weren't going to live at your house. They anymore. weren't going to live at your house anymore, which I I, uh, I think that was part of it. Uh, by the second, by the time Spencer was leaving home, <laughs> we, it was like we, it was getting to the point where we were going to move and hide. <laughs> so, you know, it's like we were going to leave home, and you can have the house. Yeah, yeah. I actually <laughs> with, with Danny, it was like, oh, great! This is great for him. Yes, you know, yes. he was older. Mel at the time was only like what 18 or whatever so yeah yeah no, that's was, also uh, a good point different scenario because charlie was uh just turned 18 as yeah. well it seemed very young mm-hmm. dan duran uh you're on the road so you're gonna join us uh now what are you using your phone is that the uh, connection we're using with you yeah i'm hot spotting through my uh my laptop and my phone yeah well, isn't that something? Yeah. <laughs> Technology is amazing these days. <laughs> things you can do, huh? Oh, that's great. I love this. I'm. You know what? Screw this. I don't want to sit in my basement every morning to do the show. I'm going to start driving <laughs> around should. in Brampton. You should. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you should just do that. Yeah. Get doll a, up. I'll drive you through some war zones here. And it'll be, it'll be a, I'll feel like a war correspondent. That's right. <laughs> A, a, con- a radio Fred. contest. Where's Freddie now? That's Where's right. Freddie now? Mm-hmm. I'm Fred Patterson at the Brampton Town Center for CNN. <laughs> and this is CNN. Mm-hmm. Oh, Danny. Hey, guys, just give me a few minutes. I'm on my, I'm on my way to the latest sword fight. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I uh, well, hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. This is uh, this is uh, this isn't the show. Although uh, when the show actually starts, we got a real show for you, Jeff Merrick. That's like a big time guest, Jeff Merrick from uh, the TV, the hockey TV. Does he work for Sportsnet? Mm-hmm. I had to get Sportsnet. I didn't realize and, uh, I didn't have it. 
He's on uh, the Fan 590 every right. day, midday, I believe, with his uh, sports show. Yeah. So I had to, because uh, I wanted to watch the, uh, the Blue Jays. I didn't realize, I don't know what I was watching before, but uh, I actually got Sportsnet. I wonder how many people did that. Got Sportsnet for the playoff run. Watched two games, and now I'm going to cancel Sportsnet. Hey, well, I guess they take the attitude. Something's better than nothing. Yeah. You just got to remember to cancel. That's all. Yeah. Like, I have TSN, and which uh, I have because it, it has early golf, early round coverage of golf. But uh, for all it costs, though, I don't think it costs that it's much. 15 about. bucks a month, dude. To keep those? Oh, yes. Okay. 15. Huh? I can get, uh, oh, Dan's gone. I can get Paramount and Apple. Although, what, what is Apple? I've, I don't have Apple television. What is it? 14 is it 15 bucks a month? I don't know. I don't have it either. Well, you don't need it. You've got to. I dropped Crave as well. Did you really? Yeah. I might get it now that it's hunkered down season, but. Yeah. Well, if for no other reason, the House of Dragon, House of the Dragon is my favorite new series and it's yeah. on Crave. Yeah. Uh, my son, speaking of Danny, was telling me about this. Uh, this uh jeffrey dahmer series have you seen it i can't remember it, i haven't seen it but it's on i everyone's talking about it it's like trending number one on netflix everybody's talking eh? what's everybody's danny say about talking. it oh he said it's weird but very interesting okay yeah weird creepy all those but very interesting well you could say the same thing about that series i was telling you about before we hit record which is the murdoch series i watched uh i i had i started episode four was last night and that's what i watched but it is that's a fascinating fascinating study in that family and the influence they've had on american not just politics but media you know i know most people are know who the murdochs are but what i didn't know is is just how far-reaching their media influence is yeah freddie it's yes, stunning and yeah and they're responsible for the evil that is uh, fox news which but, gets more evil every day it's it, something else well they're not just responsible for that but they're responsible for oh, that yeah. all over the world you yes. know their their whole point of view and, and again yeah. I, I knew they i knew they owned the new york post i knew they were post media mm-hmm. but you know they're they're an 80 billion dollar company i i don't know what i thought they were but they showed on a map in, in the episode last night about the influence and, and what they were in the uk and london in australia in north america the mm-hmm. wall they bought the wall street journal mm-hmm. and, and as i said to you like i wasn't really into that movie or that series succession but now i might go back and watch it because it's really based on this family yeah i really like succession and yeah it's a family it's a business family and they look at media like a business, like any other business. You see, hey, where's there a hole in the market? Let's fill it and make money. And they did that. It just happened to be news. Yeah. They, let's fill the right wing sort of extremist position. And uh, they've made a lot of money off it. And, and the thing is, it wasn't always quite as overt as it is now. I mean, they've been the New York Post has been the sensational, you know, that right. type of style of reporting. But it wasn't until the uh, Iran like the, the, it was early 2000s. And the, and the big thing that they talked about last night was that Roger Ailes, that freaky, fat, you know, sexual predator, got into a bit of a, a struggle at, in the in the organization with 
Rupert Murdoch's son, and Mur- mm-hmm. Rupert Murdoch took Ailes' side, and that's what created Fox News. Yeah. No, I know. Within, apparently, internally, there was some pushback by the Murdochs, thinking maybe it went too far. But when the bottom line just keeps growing and growing and growing, yeah, uh, you know, they decisions are made, and uh, the rest is history. Uh, Dan, are you back with us? I, I don't know if you can hear us or not, but uh, he he was going up a certain area. You guys were talking about that your cell or whatever coverage drops off. He's in the hinterland. Is he that hinterland? Jeffrey Dahmer thing? If yeah. you've ever thought, it, Dan, Danny said it's very informative, very educational. If you've ever thought about killing somebody and melting them in a vat of acid, you, you'll you can learn how to do that. <laughs> yeah, like and, a, like a and lot making of us. Ex- and make excuses why there's weird smells coming out of your house. Like, oh, the freezer got unplugged and it's meat. <laughs> Let's go on it. You know, how do you? How do you like? You, how like, do you so, become that? Well, and, and yeah. And how do you like live with that? Like, OK, you're, you got this dead body and it's smelling up the house. But the Jays are playing Seattle tonight. So I'm going to watch that. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, how do you go on with just your regular everyday existence? Yeah. Priorities, eh? Mm-hmm. I don't think Dan's going to be able to. I, he's, I can see him there on the screen, but he, he, I don't think he can hear us. Oh, maybe he can. No, I can. Yeah, I just uh, didn't want to interrupt Fred there with his uh, review of mm. serial killing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm, Delise says absolutely not. She will not watch that. So I'm going to sit down here and watch it. All right. Because uh, I'm somewhat intrigued by the reviews that I've heard. I well, now that I've heard Danny liked it, maybe I'll... T- it's just I, I, I hadn't uh, wanted to bother. I'm just uh, reticent to start a new series. Dan, I was telling Fred that the House of the Dragon is... It really has just become Game of Thrones 200 years earlier. Have you been keeping up with it or not? Uh, yeah, I'm like a four and a half episodes in right now. It's pretty good, so, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's, uh, there's so much stuff that I love to watch. The, the Rings thing and the Dragon thing... And then there's the new uh, the new uh, Star Wars thing, yeah. Andor, which I'm really into right now. I got to admit, uh, I did something that Fred kind of, uh, I don't want to say turned me on to doing, but uh, a few years ago, we were both, I think we were all watching some British series. Might have been Peaky Blinders, and you said that you were watching it with closed captioning. And yeah. uh, because sometimes those accents are hard, and there's a lot of things being said, you don't want to miss it. Mm-hmm. But I've had to start doing that with game with yeah. House of the Dragon, Dan, because part of it is I, I'm it, they speak very quickly, and I'm, I'm I'm not sure maybe I'm losing my hearing. But there's a lot of names being thrown around that all sound the same. Like everyone seems to be named Aegon Targaryen, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's true. Like it's like is that I thought that guy was Aegon Targaryen. So what I did is I turned on the closed captioning a couple nights ago. I'm like, oh. Oh, they're talking about a guy named Aegon. Fine. Yeah. Now I know. <laughs> so much sense now. Yeah. But you know what, Freddie? I don't know if it's our age, but I just found it easier to follow the plot because I, I can, because when they're saying these names that I don't understand. I hear you. I, yeah. <laughs> just speaking of the choir, I mean, more and more I use closed captions rather than, you know, you know, reverse or whatever you yeah. call it. 
there's a I don't know which one of the streamers <clears throat> or maybe more than one has it where I can't remember which one. But when you uh, there's no captions. But if you rewind it uh, 10, 15 seconds or whatever, then the captions show up until you get to the point again. So what? you keep. Yeah, I, I love that feature. That's great. So well, the well, captions aren't there. But when you go, what the? Oh, you, you, you know. And oh, then you I go see. backwards, and the captions show up for that period of time that you went back Oh, on. my. They should all use that. They should. I agree. It's a mm-hmm. great feature. Well, no, so wait a second. So watching, if, you, you know, if you miss something, you rewind it 30 seconds. For those 30 seconds, it will give you closed captioning? Yeah. Yeah. That's brilliant. How brilliant is that? Yeah. Wow, that's a real nice old guy feature. <laughs> that's right. We, we should have closed captioning on this show. What they're saying, what they really mean. Um, well, that's fantastic. Did you guys, uh, I did, uh, I did, uh, Turkey, you know what? Uh, by the way, here's a couple of quick facts for you. 2.7 million. That's the number of turkeys. Canadians ate this past weekend. Represent that's 45% of all turkeys sold in Canada in a year. Uh, we're sold this last couple of days. Mm-hmm. Does that mean there's going to be a big sale on Turkey right now? Sure. There is. Did you have turkey? I know Freddie had his big turkey fan and stuff, but did you actually yep. have turkey? Yeah. Uh, I had turkey legs last night with nice. Colton. And the night before, Colton's last day at his job, which is it was at a uh, resort across the road, his manager liked him a lot and, and gave him a, a, going, a going home bag full of turkey and fixings and pumpkin Aww. pie and the whole thing. Yeah, Nice. So we ate that, yeah. We had uh, barbecued smoked turkey last night with the kids and uh, all kinds of fixings it was great I actually love smoked turkey not a huge turkey fan love smoked turkey you know that kind of barbecue you know that uh that yeah, smoky I'm flavor the, uh, i'm okay with it as long as it's not too strong mm-hmm. and i don't because i love turkey but i reaffirmed over the weekend again you know you cook a turkey, you look at the instructions, usually on the wrapper and stuff, it says take it out, you know, when the thigh is at 180. No, no, no. I took mine out again at 160, about 168, and then let it sit for an hour. Mm-hmm. Don't don't let it go to 180. Well, they're right. doing that for safety purposes. So, no, you, know, I know. so you don't just take it out at 120 and start, you know, eating it and poisoning yourself. But I took it out at 168, let it sit for an hour, and then everyone was going, ooh, the juice, Ooh, juicy. Ooh. That's a, that was the sounds around your table. Yeah. That was <laughs> Everyone was saying that, eh? Mm-hmm. Everyone. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just true, because, again, you take it out at 180, you let it sit, and then it's still cooking. You know the, you know the deal. But uh, it's just so important. It, it's very important. I, it's I, very, very you know, important. It's, it's, uh, I, I read something the other day, too, I thought of you, because I know you love apples. The last couple of days I've been uh, at the golf course and some people brought apples that were growing in their yard, like real apples that taste like they taste so different than store-bought apples because there's sure. there's a freshness to them. But I just read this. And I keep writing it down saying, I got to tell a friend, if you had to guess the, ver- the number of varieties of apples there are, just throw a number out because I'll tell you what, I read this number. I was very surprised. Well, and they're always uh, crossbreeding, too, for lack of a better term. You know, creating. Yes. 
Uh, I, I would probably say north of 100. 7,500 varieties oh, 75. of apples. <laughs> That's north of 100. That's way north. And about 75,000. 75. I thought, why do we need 7,500 variety of, varieties of apples? Variety of apples. We don't need that many. And to your point about crossbreeding, what are the scientists doing creating more apples? Let's get on to some other stuff. We got enough apples. Seventy. Oh, that like sounds it. like that sounds like five minutes at your next comedy club uh, appearance, which is going to be, by the way, uh, Friday night, seven thirty. I'll be at Yuck Yucks. I'm oh, hosting. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's one of my new bits. No, I read that recently. I thought, I wonder if Freddie realizes that some of our best people are wasting their time on creating more varieties of apples. That Howard Glassman, he's fucking brilliant, man. He can stand there and do five minutes on apples, and then you're rolling in the smile. His whole Netflix, what's his Netflix special called? Too many apples. So you're against apple diversity. Howard's one of the leading political apple comedians on the circuit today. His whole seventy-five hundred apples. Why? That's right. No, just call it. It'll just be called 7,500 apples. Who needs 7,500 varieties? Well, I can, I how like many can you name? Here's a question. How many can you name? I can only name like four. Oh. Well, you go ahead, Dan. How many varieties of apples can you name? Uh, there's uh, Gala. There's Ambrosia. There's uh, Delicious Macintosh. Uh, crab. <laughs> Uh, those are, uh, by the way, a couple of those I was going for. I was going for granny and and oh, uh, granny. yeah, that's about it. Crab is a good one. How about you, Freddie? Those are all the popular ones. There's like five or six yeah. there. How many more do you need? That means there's seventy four hundred, nine hundred and ninety five. Honey crisp, honey crisp, very yeah. nice yeah. but expensive. You got to watch it because sometimes you get honey crisp and they're fantastic. You know, you pay the big price, but then other times you get them home, you take a bite and you go, oh, this Honeycrisp has lost it. That's why you should always be able to take a bite at the store. That's what they recommend. <laughs> I battle that. I have that battle with my wife all the time. Here, it, here's another thing. When we went the other day, you know, my apple picking story, we ended up going to a, just a little roadside thing. I think they were called ginger spice or something. And they're good for making applesauce, but they're also good to eat. And I thought, whoa, I'd never had this before. This is an interesting. A little on the soft side, naturally. You know, when an apple gets soft, it sort of sucks. But these things tend to be naturally a bit soft, but tasty mm. and make good applesauce. Delise made some applesauce, which I love because it wasn't. it's not very sweet, right? Every time do you eat it, do you say crisscross applesauce? Because I like to say mm-hmm. that. And what, what, what is that? Let's, let's like when you do like it, uh, little kids, little crisscross applesauce. Okay, so we've named seven. Vari- What's that, Freddie? <laughs> crisscross applesauce. So we've named seven varieties of apples, Dan. Do you understand? There's seventy five hundred, and they're making new ones every day. Wow, it's too many apples. Yeah, there was a couple. There was one, and I can't remember the name of it. Oh. I always do this. I forget the name of it. It was created in Guelph, and it's really good, and it's only available, like, for four or five weeks in the fall, and and it's sweet and sour and a combination. It's very nice. So in that situation, sort of creating or crossbreeding or whatever yeah. is uh, was brilliant. You know, I have a neighbor. I'll work on that. I'll get the name. I'll get the name. the name. Right around the, on the street next to me, there was a... An apple tree 
like they were nice little apples and just fell on the ground. And I, I ate, I ate them. I you know take the stand up for a walk and have a have a nice little apple. And one day I saw this strangest thing: a woman pulled up, got out of her car with a bag, and just started gathering up the apples off the ground, and then uh, you know booked it, took the apples and ran. Yeah. Maybe making some kind of a sauce or something. Well, I just thought it was very sweet, you know, like harvesting the neighborhood apples. And Who's saying, uh, God didn't make little green apples and it don't rain? Many, many apples in the summertime. Glenn, I think it might have been Glenn Campbell, maybe. Really? Oh. Or, what's, and that, I don't that's even know not, the name of that song. What is the name of that song, Dan? Oh. You know, Dan, can you uh, hear us? Sing more of it. Yeah, I can now. Oh, no, it's, I know it. Say here, Roger Miller. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. in the morning, it's a great song. Down in my eyes and she says, and I stumbled to the breakfast table while the kids are going. But for some reason, I think this was uh, maybe co-written by Glenn Campbell or something. People have no idea what we're talking about. And she reaches out, and takes my hand, and squeezes it, and says, "How you feeling, hon?" My dad loved Roger. Yeah, me too. And I look across at smiling lips that warm my heart and see my morning sun. Here we go. And if that's and not, if that's not loving, loving me, then all I've got to say. This guy was good. Mm-hmm. God didn't make little green apples and it don't rain in Indianapolis in the summertime. One thing about American city names, they just sound cool in songs, you know? I often think that. Like, this wouldn't be the same if it was like, God didn't make no little green apples and it don't rain in Kamloops. (laughs) I didn't know it didn't rain in Indianapolis. (laughs) But you know what I mean? It's like all the American, you know, those hip songs, New Orleans is sinking. How come it's not like, you know, Guelph Lakes is sinking? doesn't sound as cool. Yeah. No, I get it. Anyway. And, uh, of course, there was exceptions to the rule, just like Bob Cage. And that well, that, that really is one of the best Canadian names in a song. All right. Uh, Dan, uh, remember Roger, too, uh, trailer for Sailor Man? Trailer for I love that song my dad did, too. Um, yes, sirree. You know what else Good Roger stuff. Miller? You know Roger Miller, I think. No, that was Chris Christopherson. I was going to say. Uh, I don't know that he did sailor trailers for Sailor Ren. I don't know if that was him. Oh, I oh, you know what? Again, giving my advanced age, I could be wrong, but I thought it was Roger Miller who sang a uh, trailer for. Oh, yeah, no, you're right, King. You're absolutely right, King of the Road, King of the Road, King of the Road, King of the Road. All right, all right. Yes, sorry. He also wrote "Dang Me." <laughs> and uh, he wrote it. Daniel loved this. He wrote a song called 707 Boeing because that's how old Trailer he is. That, that was like the uh, the big plane back in the day, the 707. Here we go. 707. No, 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 And Fred, we could. Uh, he also wrote this. Remember this? Chug-a-lug, Do you remember this? Man. Uh, here's the thing. I never worked at a radio station that played this music, but I I lived in a city where the radio station, when I was younger, played this music. 
Yeah, my first job, just when I joined uh, CKFH 1430, they were still country. They played some Roger, and then uh, yeah. the format flipped quickly. Well, when I was a kid, the station I, pl- I you know, grew up listening to had block programming. You know, so they'd have like the country hour and they would have like some rock music and they would have religion on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should get started because uh, Merrick's coming on early today and uh, Dan Duran is going to be on the road. Will you be able to uh, do the news from the car? Well, I'm going to try. Oh, I'm going to look up some stuff and, you know, yeah, see great, if I can research and, and just as long as we got uh, a data connection on the highway. Well, you know what? Before we lose you again, what's that, Fred? He'll probably be on the 401 by then. So oh, yeah, easily. Better. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, let's get started. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the Humble and Fred studios in Trendy, Toronto, beautiful Brampton, and from Mobile One, Studio Mobile One, eastbound <laughs> on Ontario's 401 shortly, and is brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, and HealthGage. And now here are two men whose Thanksgiving horn of plenty was overflowing with joy and gourds and spent the weekend in gratitude, just really happy that the world is going so well that there's really nothing to complain about. Mm. It's the very humble and Fred. I don't know. Well, we almost got most of that. That's great, Dan. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, Jeff Merrick, Jeff Merrick will be with us. Uh, but first, uh, let's uh, make a couple of uh, announcements here, Frederick. Uh, whether you're a sports bet or a horse racing fan, a poker, casino player, Bodog's your number one source of online gambling entertainment. From their industry-leading odds, world-class sports book, and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. Uh, yeah, uh, the American uh, League National League Division Series will begin, I, I believe, tomorrow without our Toronto Blue Jays. So check no. Bodog for the odds there. Thursday night football, on and on and on. And hockey begins tomorrow. Oh, no, actually, the NHL begins tonight with a couple of games. The Leafers are in Montreal tomorrow night. All right. Uh, I just thought of another, you know, it's not fair. There are some great Canadian songs with Canadian cities in them. Yeah. This is one of my favorites. Do you know this song? Yes. It's a guess who? Running back to Saskatoon. Running back to Saskatoon. Uh, while we're listening to some of this, I want you to hear this important message. If you're an entrepreneur or a small business person, you got to check out GoDaddy, who have been helping you and people like you for over 25 years, 20 million customers around the planet. GoDaddy is where people come to get a domain, create a website, and everything else you need to get your business online. You can even start your website for free with GoDaddy today. Try it out. No credit cards even required. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. There's no better time than now to do what you've always been thinking of doing. Maybe you want to create that small business. Maybe you got a side hustle. These people give you support 24-7. That's around the clock. GoDaddy. Go visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. So they just he just named like four Pramusha, Musamin, all places that are on the prairies. And if you live here in Ontario or Eastern Canada, you have no idea what he's talking about. Uh, we're going to get uh, Merrick on here in about three minutes. So why don't we start this? Uh, as I mentioned, I got uh, Sportsnet so I could watch the Jays. And uh, Friday night was uh, 
exciting. It's really cool. And I spoke to you uh, earlier in the day, and, and I kind of broke my, my promise. But I said, I may, I'm not going to bother you during the game, but I couldn't help myself. Did that annoy you that I was texting you, my excitement and then disappointment? Not at all. You weren't the only one. Who but else was Who else was? The uh, thing. Darren was doing it. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, I missed the first person. Who else did it? My buddy, Doug. Okay. Okay, good. Because, you know, I mean, I, I know when I'm watching a golf uh, telecast, sometimes I get the same thing. Three or four people will be texting me, and uh, sometimes I find it annoying. So I was a little mindful of that, so I didn't want to overload you. No, it's fine, because if I get annoyed, I just ignore it. Yeah, it was pretty... And not, and not partake. Yeah, I get it. Put and the I, phone away. Mm-hmm. With me, I was just sort of excited, and I wanted to share that excitement. I found What it, game are you talking about now? I'm talking about the elimination game. Um, okay. Saturday, was that, that Saturday? Saturday? Sorry, Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah, Saturday night. Mm-hmm. That was excruciating. At one time, in case people have forgotten, at one time it was 8-1, and I was going to go. I was looking around. I had my computer next to me. I thought, oh, okay, what will I watch? Because I thought oh, after about five or six innings, this thing's boring, and I will watch something else, and I'm glad I didn't. Yeah. Well, I was back and forth because the Cleveland uh, – Cleveland uh, – Oh, my God. What's the matter with me? Um, who did Tampa Bay. <laughs> Tampa Bay. Yeah, it was in 12. They, that went into uh, extra innings. That went 15 inning. innings. 15 so innings. It got to be 8-1. I'm flipping over there. I'm thinking, oh, I want to see how this thing ends. And then, you know, it was 8-1 to one, and then 8-2, to two, the Jays game. And then they got that three-run homer, and that made it 8-5. to five, And I thought, ooh, I'm feeling uncomfortable. Then the Jays came back, made it 9-5, and I thought, I like that. Yeah. They've answered that in a four-run lead. They're they're pretty cool here mm-hmm. in the sixth inning. You know, look at the bullpen's been great lately, and it just literally fell apart. I mean, all you know, from defensive errors to pitching um, collapse to the manager making some weird calls. It was mm-hmm. just it was really a collective uh, choke job. It really was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on a lot of different fronts you know you mentioned the manager you know one of the things that i did again i'm not that deep into the nuance of the game i mean i understand it but i i I didn't really understand why that was such a bad move taking out gausman or whatever who had got it was two out when they took him out um and they should have let him pitch himself out of that because then it all just collapsed well howard you know and again easy to say but beyond that is the analytics how Meza, his numbers against that team and that particular player just weren't good. And I mean, a, you know, baseball, which follows the analytics almost to a fault, it's, uh, you just wonder why is Tim Meza coming in and then boom. Yeah. You know, and even, you know, the, the Toronto play, I like to call it the bloop. Yeah. The kabonk, no, the kabonka bonk. Yeah. Yeah. So typical of what a Toronto sports fan can expect at any given moment. When that ball fell in between Springer and uh, Bichette, it was like, what's Bichette doing? That's the center fielder's job. Yeah, You know, Springer is still in there. He just got hurt the inning before the inning uh, or two innings before that. Usually with a four-run lead, the manager has gone to his defensive alignment, which would be um, Michael Bradley Jr. in that case, who would have run that ball down no problem whatsoever. It just on and on and on. 
and, you know? and you know it's funny because there's a lot of you know I, I was sort of talking to Bob Willett a little bit online and mm-hmm. and you know and Greg Brady was talking about you know don't tell me uh, don't give me the whole curse of the Toronto thing and they mentioned all you know, the Raptors have won and the the Rock have won. Merrick's, uh, yeah, I, I know, I, but, but he was basically saying yeah. there's no, there's no such thing as a Toronto curse. And, and I was saying, listen, mm-hmm. I'm not the, I'm not an authority on this, but what, what I saw seemed kind of like a typical, like, what? They banged yeah. into each other. You know what it looked like? It looked like a bunch of kids who'd forgotten mm-hmm. who's supposed to get that ball. As you said, there's no, I know enough about the fundamentals, but Shed should not have been anywhere near that. No. He's young and enthusiastic, but I right. mean, e- even if that ball falls on one bounce, they don't score three. They don't tie it. So uh, I, I, I don't know. And of course, there's no Toronto curse. I don't believe in curses. It's just this city has a history of unfortunate things happening that's in right. sports. A series of unfortunate and that's, and, and you talk about the Raptors winning. Right. And that's one of the first sort of tweets I saw on the weekend was, you know, we... You know, Toronto just loves Masai Yajuri even more now because he's been able to sort of, you know, break free. This hey, yeah. before we actually start the formal interview, Merrick, what do you think of that so far? Uh, first of all, good morning, gentlemen. Second yes. of all, oh, we'll do the for- we'll get this is like the pre interview. We'll, we'll, we'll do the formalities okay. in a moment. Okay, so I, I, I love this hex talk. So, um, Freddie, you, you'll probably remember this defenseman for the Maple Leafs. Howard, you might as well. Larry Hillman. Mm-hmm. Anybody remember Larry Hillman? I remember yes. the name. Are, yeah. are you familiar? So we all know about the curse of the Bambino, right? We yes. all know the, the Babe Ruth curse. Mm-hmm. Do you know about the Hillman hex? No. Is this Have you t- heard about this? No. So this goes back. So 1967, the Toronto Maple Leafs win the Stanley Cup. We all know that that that's mm-hmm. more in the city. And then the Toronto Maple Leafs, because expansion is coming the next season, they leave Larry Hillman exposed for the expansion draft. Mm-hmm. And uh, according to you know to, to Larry and members of his family have corroborated all this. He said, "If they let me go, the Toronto Maple Leafs will never win another Stanley Cup." It's considered the Hillman hex. Oh, wow. Everybody wow. laughed at him at the time, but. <laughs> But Larry Hillman cursed the Maple Leafs. I can't speak to the Toronto Blue Jays. They've already won a couple of World Series. But the Hillman hex is alive and well. Wow. Well, you look at even, you know, we go back to the 4-1 game, Leafs and Bruins 2013, and how shocking that was. Ten minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And then <laughs> no, even, no. even look two years ago against Montreal, like at the beginning of the game, I think maybe on his first shift, Tavares suffers that head injury yep. and again one player doesn't make a team but that changed that series right there and you know with john Tavares, do we win that series probably you never know but it's yep. just on and on and on it's uh, like reach into the hat and pick one out yeah, yeah and i, I was gonna say jeff you can't fault people by the way for feeling the city is hexed i mean and really, mm-hmm. even, of course. because the city yes. basically lives and dies on the on the success of the maple leaves so I, yes. I right away i mean it's easy to forget that the raptors have had success that the blue jays have won the world series within our lifetimes but i I just want to read you a quick text. I was texting Freddie back and forth during the game, and I, I just wrote. So I text, okay, well, this is ridiculous. Next text, come the fuck on. And then he just responds in caps. <laughs> Here's what his response. He goes, Toronto. That's all he fucking says. And I so, love the coach. I love that. Because it's like, on. that's what everyone thought. Toronto. Okay, hang on a second. Okay, while we're doing dueling texts here, uh, I'm going to send you a text. So as the three runs scored to tie it, 
I get a text from Keith Olbermann. This is the most Toronto thing I've ever seen. Exactly. <laughs> um, I wrote I wrote back to him. I go, just catch the fucking ball. And then I say, they just turned into the Leafs and Seattle is Boston. Okay. <laughs> it's Listen, man, it's it's true. And, and I guess the question at this point, because you have to laugh at it, I suppose. What is the worst collapse? Is it the 4-1 against the Boston Bruins with 10 minutes left? Or is it being up 8-1 against Seattle and coll- what do they have? The, the bullpen need the 15 outs mm-hmm. with, an, with an 8-1 lead? Mm-hmm. What's the bigger collapse here, do you think? I think, I it's, know, that, I think, that, it's, I think it's the Blue Jays one. I, I really do. No, I you know what? I, collapse. I, you know, I might lean that way, too, because it was just so shocking. Because you're sick. But again, from a Toronto standpoint, it's eight to one and you're yeah, you're, you're feeling comfortable. But then it's eight two, And then, you know, when they made it again, eight of whatever it was, eight, five or eight, five. Yeah. You start to squirm a bit and think, no, this can't happen. It yeah. can't. Uh, but I, I want to answer that question. But t- let me ask. Let me answer it by asking you to. But don't in terms of significant meltdowns, the Boston Leaf thing came at the wasn't that game seven? Oh, yeah. Hadn't they also, wait a second, hadn't there been a couple of pre collapses prior to that game? Oh, there's always hints and there's always whispers. They preludes, I believe. Well, that's what I mean. In the literary industry. Mm-hmm. In terms of, you know, because this was, a, you know, basically they had to win this or the season's over. So maybe mm-hmm. that's similar. But I, I don't, listen, I don't watch enough baseball. But when it was 8-1, I was just saying to him before you came on, I was starting to look at my laptop thinking, okay, what am I going to watch when, you know, maybe I'll just drift away, see what's on Netflix. And then it got like, it was sort of exciting for a second, and then when they when they when they lost, and there was like the they had three outs to to win the game. I'm like, this is actually happening. I'm actually witnessing an historic, you know, meltdown by a Toronto sports team. It was it was good to be part of the group. And and what happens too? You know, so much has been t- was told through that. Like even I don't know if Romano comes back as the closer next year because again, uh, push comes to shove, money on the line. He got two outs in the eighth and two outs in the ninth, but when he really had to deliver, he didn't. And you could just feel that final hit that drove in the tenth run. You could just feel that coming from a mile away. And I think it was on the first pitch. It was like, oh, like I. I so I, I had a really interesting punishing. conversation with someone who works for uh, for not the Blue Jays but another MLB organization. Yeah. And he said, and I, I was shocked. And I'm like, explain this to me. And he did. And I said, well, you know what? That makes a ton of sense. Uh, because we're all focused on, you know, should Gosman have been in? Should mm-hmm. they brought in Tim Meza? Uh, the collision between Bo Bichette and, and George Springer and who's in the right there? And mm-hmm. should Bichette clear a lane for Springer, et cetera? And he said something really interesting to me. He said, you know what baseball people are talking about as the, as, as the big flaw in, in, uh, in, in managing that game from the Blue Jays' point of view at 8-1? to one? He said the big flaw was left field. And I said, left field? What do you mean? He said, they should never have put Tapia in there. He said he was out of position on the balls that were hit to him because he's reading his, his card and not looking at the dugout. So he's reading his card. So he, he misses a couple. And I said, well, what would you have done? He said, well, f- well, think about it. You have an eight to one lead. So all you need to be thinking as a manager is put in your best defensive players. Mm-hmm. Right. He said... What you here's here's what whatever like oh, he said this is what our organization we're watching this would say what, what the hell are they doing? You move George Springer from center field to right field. You take Teoscar Hernandez and you put him in left field and you put Jackie Bradley Jr. in center. He said that is your best defensive setup. Like at eight to one, 
All you should be thinking about is we can give up one run, we can give up two runs, but you need to play defense. He said that's, that's, the, adult, that's the, the adult in the room conversation. Mm-hmm. But, and Jeff, leading up to this game, when they were up four runs, he always took Springer out to preserve him. Springer had been hurt a couple of innings before. Why wasn't Jackie Bradley? Seriously, you know why? It, you're 100% right. You know why? Why? Because they wanted Tapia's bat. And the guy that I'm talking to is like, it's eight to one. Yeah. Yes. What's more important, a bat or a glove? He, even that one Tapia, that one Tapia blue was another example of keeping the ball in front of you with an eight one lead. You know, it's. I thought yeah. you were going to say that the reason that it happened is that a maple leaf threw out the first pitch. <laughs> um, let's uh, formally welcome our, because that's what everyone else is talking about, boys. Somehow uh, we, we have to blame this on Mitch Marner's ex- contract. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, we want to uh, welcome officially one of the, uh, <laughs> you know, one of our favorite uh, guests. I love the fact that uh, this guy could just drop. Uh, yeah, Keith Oberman just uh, texted me. Oh, did he? Did he? I really? know. You I know what? Ro- Robert De Niro always told me don't drop names. Exactly. What's the? Hey, listen, man. It's only out of jealousy. Uh, for many years, one of the uh, bright lights, uh, intelligent conversations, uh, points of view. In the world of sports and beyond, he is uh, one of our faves. Here's uh, Jeff Merrick, host of uh, all kinds of things. Uh, he's got a podcast. He too works many, at too many, too many things. Sportsnet. He's got. I'll tell you right now, he's got the kind of hair the dreams are made of. Well, this is coming off pretty soon. You get in my coffee shop look today. TV comes. Hockey night in Canada is coming up on Saturday. So yeah. I might have to drag a razor across my face and trim the feathers. Well, I want to talk. We want to talk about uh, NHL hockey, but one of the things. Sure. And, and I, it's just weird. Like, I, uh, I was telling Freddie, one of my golf buddies' sons plays for uh, an OHL team. He plays for the uh, Windsor Spitfires. And he was, he was uh, golfing the other day. He said, what are, you, are you guys talking about this Hockey Canada thing? Yep. And I said, well, at the time, I really hadn't delved into it. I said, yeah, well, I'm sure we'll have a, a conversation. And I said, and it's funny. I said, you know, and I didn't know you were booked. I said, what we would probably do, he wondered if, we, if it was the kind of thing we would talk about. I said, what we would probably do is get a guy like Jeff Merrick on and have a conversation with him with a hockey point of view, blah, blah, blah. And I just sort of said that, again, not knowing and uh, you had been booked. So let's have that conversation. Sure. So where are we at with Hockey Canada? So right now, I mean, the uh, various members from Hockey Canada have been called to the nation's capital. Um, to, to, to speak in front of, of various MPs. Uh, Andrea Skinner, who was the interim chair of the board of directors, that is a nine-person board, which is now seven because two, in, uh, two board chairs have now resigned, Andrea Skinner resigning over the weekend. Um, she didn't have the best of all possible moments uh, last season, uh, last week rather in, uh, in Ottawa. So she, she resigned over the weekend, which now leaves the board at seven. Now they need five for a quorum. And the interesting thing about the board now with Hockey Canada is there's a meeting this week. It is in Toronto. It was scheduled to be in Calgary. But what hockey, the Hockey Canada board wants is for the 13 members across Canada to have more time to have their say, maybe to make decisions on what happens with the board. You can imagine how much political pressure there is right now for the 13 members to change the board and change staff, perhaps starting uh, with Scott Smith, who heads Hockey Canada out of, out of Calgary. So right now, things are... 
things are moving slower. We do think that inevitably there will be change, certainly at the board level. Like I don't think anyone's going to return from that board. Uh, the question becomes what happens with Scott Smith and his staff after that. Um, you know, there's a report coming out from uh, 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 from Judge Cromwell. Uh, who is a very respected, very uh, respected person, certainly. And that will have in it a number of different recommendations. So the board is hesitant to make moves right now until the Cromwell report comes out, after which they can act based on what Cromwell says. Uh, that may, the report's supposed to come out the end of October. There's an AGM Hockey Canada, which was scheduled for November 17th, which has now been pushed to December 17th. Uh, and at that point, I think there should be some significant change with hockey. Yeah, it, I get that it's moving slow. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, moving and slower I, than people want, but that's the way these things play out. Yeah, but I don't understand the structure. So there's nobody in a position to say to that, what's his name, Scott? What, what is it? Scott Smith. Scott Smith, you're fired. Get out of here. Like, now, that's, wow. that's, that's the board. That, the, the board has to say that. Because it just, that's what I mean. Like, it it's, all seems so ridiculous that we're, we're again, we've, we've only moved this far down the road. Yes. Although with what's her head uh, throwing gasoline on the fire last week with that Andrea, Andrea Skinner, Andrea, Andrea Skinner with that ridiculous uh, uh, news conference, I think the whole country's just impatient. Like they what's are taking so long. I'll tell you yeah, what's. I'll tell you they, what's not moving slowly is those sponsors. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. They they uh, you, no, you know, they are. It's interesting. That alone. That well that 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 was mm-hmm. the quickest reaction. Mm-hmm. And and the last one being Nike, but that's what's that's the fa- that's how fast the public has moved in in yes. this direction. Yes, yeah. well, and I mean this, the prime minister has weighed in. We've all seen various MPs weigh in. We've seen um, ex members of Hockey Canada, like the athletes, uh, weigh in. Haley Wickenheiser has weighed in. You know, Cheryl Pounders. Everyone has weighed in here uh, on this situation. Some sponsors have completely pulled out. Of Hockey Canada, Canadian mm-hmm. Tire, for example, pulled yeah. right out. Yes. Others have reallocated their funding. See, the, the, the feeling is that this is an issue on the men's side and not the women's side. So there's some sponsors that say, like, look, we don't in- want anything to do with that. Mm-hmm. And the men's side, we don't want to support things like, you know, the World Junior Tournaments. That's right. Anymore until there's some change. But we don't all we don't want to punish the women's side. They've done mm-hmm. nothing wrong here. And a lot of their funding, let's not forget, like that World Junior Tournament, the money that comes in from that tournament funds a lot of the women's programs. So it's it's a it's a, a well. That's what I wanted to ask you. Like themselves. Like, well, it, it's, is it too late for this year's World Juniors? Because I think it was Tim Hortons and a couple other huge sponsors. The thing yeah. is, to your point, it's it it's, it would be a shame if if the kids who benefit from Hockey Canada are yeah. punished through this. And I think that's one of the reasons why things are moving slowly, Howard. I think you nailed it right there. Like there are like, what does Hockey Canada do primarily? We're, we're focusing right now on the tournaments and the kids and the world juniors. And, right. Yeah. You know, all these things. But what Hockey Canada does is it provides, you know, it provides a foundation and administration for kids playing hockey all across Canada. You know, like and, and the main thing you, you can make the point that really all they do is negotiate insurance. Like you've I'm sure you guys have seen the stories that we're withholding our three dollars, you know, the administrative fee. We're not going to pay that. We're not sending that to Calgary and Hockey Canada. Well, every kid pays twenty four dollars. The three dollars out of that is for administration. The other twenty one dollars is insurance. Mm. Wow. And the, re- the reason the rate is so low is because Hockey Canada negotiates using a base of thousands of kids that play. So mm-hmm. if you're a Hockey Quebec or whomever, and you want to you know, completely leave the Hockey Canada system and do it on your own, that's fine. You're within your rights to do that. 
but your insurance, I assure you, is going to be a little bit more than $21. Well, I, I think you'll see, you know, money talks with all these sponsors withdrawing. Things yes. are going to move faster now, as you say. They will. And I truly believe some of these sponsors, these heritage sponsors, will come back once they're convinced that, you know, things yes. are in order. Yes. And, and that's the way it it should be. Um, I, I, and I think... And, and I think and I think one more point. I think going forward, Hockey Canada, this will be the upside. The real upside benefit will be squeaky clean going forward. I don't think any company uh, that That's deals true. with as what many people as yeah, well. Hockey Canada is, is going to be. All I want to know is when's Tim Hortons going to pull their sponsorship with the Catholic Church? That's my question. Yeah. <laughs> when is that? When are they going to pull off that organization? Yeah. Fair, fair, very. No, because the whole thing comment. has kind of a Catholic churchy feel to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 pretty despicable. Like the, yeah. the, the all all of the events, and you know the the one thing the one thing that I've tried to go out of my way to to, to point to, there's one major red herring here that everyone keeps pointing at as a point of disgust, and it is a headline maker. It's an attention grabber because it's kids and it's money and it's it's it you know it's a sexual assault settlement. So the idea that Hockey Canada have funds set aside to settle sexual assault lawsuits and that money comes from registration from kids across. It is a very unpalatable headline it, and it is a sensational headline. But I mean, you, you guys know business a lot better than I do. Every company in the world has money set aside to settle lawsuits that their insurance doesn't cover. Every company, every government, like our federal government, our provincial, every single government, every financial entity has money set aside to settle lawsuits that insurance does not cover. So as you sure. continue to point to that and say, that's the problem, everybody, does, that is standard business sure. practice. And you're right. It, it doesn't they make needed a great more headline. transparency yeah. because it was Hockey Canada. People needed to know that that was I, the situation. You know what I think, Freddie? I think the, the, the major mistake here hmm. was not uh, a, I don't, they know they, I don't know if they need to make it public. I'm still back and forth on that one because I don't want mm-hmm. the victim's name revealed either. Mm-hmm. But I think they need to fi- they need to figure out who those kids were mm-hmm. and make them accountable in a way that if you don't cooperate with any investigation, you can no longer play for Hockey Canada again. Instead, what Hockey Canada did is, is they said, there's an investigation about this event in London in 2018. It's up to you whether you want to participate mm-hmm. in the investigation or not. Can I make right. the, uh, well, part because I know you've got to get out of here for another appearance in a couple of minutes. I just want to make the segue now <laughs> to uh, those kids. And just, again, maybe clarify. Some of the kids that were involved in the incident in London yes. are in the NHL right now. Correct. I don't know who they are, but I know that they are in the in the league. What will happen? And maybe this is a two part question. What will what will happen to them? And are will their names ever be revealed? That is the million-dollar question. So Gary Bettman is waiting to see the results of various investigations right now. The NHL has launched their own investigation. The London police have once again reopened this case. I think the NHL is going to act based on um, based on the other investigations that are underway. Um, and, you know, I've heard that the commissioner wants to deal with these players severely, uh, I don't know if you can ban them for life. Uh, I know that that's been discussed, however, but this will be this will be the punishment from the NHL will be severe for these players. Wow. if It is demonstrated that they acted in what right. appears to be the most inappropriate way. It's, it, it's almost uh, 
like process of elimination because a lot of the kids that come out and said, I wasn't there. I can prove it. I wasn't even. Uh, some of those are in dispute, though. For that's, oh, that's are that, they? Yeah. yeah some okay. of the, there, there have been a couple that where players have said, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, I yeah, hate to use there. the word. I hate to use the word lie. Right. Mm. But there's 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 a there's a few statements that have, let's just say, come mm. under scrutiny. Um, under scrutiny, and again, I don't know if you want to comment on this, but um, you talk about fall from grace and weird and inappropriate. What's the scuttlebutt around the NHL like with Theo Fleury? What's happened to him? Like I, I, I he cut, turned into this right wing. Yeah, no, I know. I know. Who could be, and, and he could Jamie, be so productive through all this stuff. Now he's just turned into a, a, a crazy man. I um I cut Theron Fleury a lot of slack. Like, I know there's a lot of high-profile people. Jamie Soleil is, is, mm-hmm. is another one. And oh, yeah. Sort of at, at the hip now with Theo. Uh, and you guys have talked to Jamie before. You guys have talked to Theo before. You know, yeah. you know what these people are, are, are like. I, I, I cut Theron Fleury a lot of slack knowing what he's gone through in his past. Um, and I, I don't want to sound like patronizing or, or condescending towards him. But, like, given everything that's happened to him and given everything that's happened to his brain, just to be blunt, mm-hmm. I, ca- I can understand but not approve of sure. that type of behavior. Yep. It's like but there's I, an explanation. I, I, there's I, not I, an I, excuse. I, I, I really cut that guy a, a, mm-hmm. a ton of slack because I haven't walked a, a single day in, in, in his shoes. No, that's do a fair I, point. Do I, do I approve of it? Do I agree with any of it? You know, do I you know, mm-hmm. sh- shake my head at it? I, I, absolutely. And I, I can't approve of, of right. any of it. I'm quite the I, I, I read the tweets and I... Yeah, they're, it's great. But you know what? That's a fair point to him. I mean, what he's gone through. It's pretty, like he comes by it honestly, that phrase. But getting back to, I just want to just quickly finish up with the NHL that has these players. They drafted them, and now just and I, I just thought as a layperson, what happens to a team if if one of their players turns out to be part of this gang rape? Because that's what it was. Yep. Does that team get compensated for losing? Like having draft? I mean, is there some? No. I just thought of that. Like no, they just lose you know, that and player. So, some, some of those, some of those players would have already had NHL contracts at that moment too right um so what would happen is um the salary would be nullified and they wouldn't be on the hit for the cap hit like they were sorry they, they wouldn't be on the hook for the cap hit that that's that's all that could happen okay. there wouldn't be any compensation it's like oh well you lost a first round draft pick so we're compensating you that way no you would just get you just that the player would be removed from your cap as a hockey insider, have you looked at the list of those players and thought, wow, if this guy's involved, this is going to be huge? We don't know. Like, we have okay. – everyone's got – all there is is there's a, a, a ton of rumors mm-hmm. about who it is and how much various players were involved. Like, you can go back and, and look at that team and oh, yeah. look, at, mm-hmm. look, at the, look, look at the players that were there. And like, in, like everyone in the industry, more than anything else, just sort of wonders who it is. Yeah, um, but there's no one's come out definitively and said, you know, this is John Doe one, yeah. John Doe two, John Doe three. Like we we do not know definitively. And, and just before, I want to leave this and quickly get to uh, the Leaf season. But but you know, let's not f- be naive. You know, Freddie and I were talking about this last week, and Fred brought up the idea of hazing and and hijinks in hockey. It was ever thus, young man. Like this isn't. I mean, this might be the most high profile, but I'll tell you what, this activity has been going on a long, long time in the junior ranks and in the NHL. And it's not like, oh, this shocking. 
I mean, it is shocking, but you know what I'm saying? It's not like. But this is the first time we've had a we, like this is this is actually a very positive comment because this is the first time we've had a real emotional, like emotionally disturbed reaction. Yes. To it. Because normally we just look at it and say, ah, oh, boys will be boys. Junior. Yeah. Hockey, back in the day. Exactly. Sudbury things are going to happen. What are you going to do? But this now we're having a very. I think this is a positive comment on our society and yep. certainly the, the sport of hockey is how disgusted people are. Yeah, it's a different and conversation. Once, once a time it was shrugged off. Yes. No, it's not. Back in the 70s, this would have been like, oh, yeah, whatever. Um, oh, Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so here's Fred Patterson, who will not watch, according to him, a single NHL Leaf game until they get out of the first round <laughs> next <Okay>. spring. <laughs> what uh, okay. in, in the in, in the <laughs> last a lot of time on your hands? <laughs> Here's what yeah. I say, you know, the Leaf season apparently starts tomorrow night. I say no, it doesn't. It doesn't start till April. Yeah, we're watching. Right? All, what do you know? What he's going to be doing? He's going to be Fred's watching. Right. He's going to be watching House of the Dragon. He's going to be hanging out, <laughs> catching up on the Murdochs. This is what we're doing. So what uh, what shall we uh, look forward to uh, with on, this for, season? For, I, I think Fred's right. Like there, at the start of every year. And the Vancouver Canucks used to be this team. At the start of every year, there are just some teams where the playoffs can't start soon enough. Yes. Like, all the answers are in the playoffs. You know, Vancouver, before they had their run in, in 2011, mm-hmm. you know, win the President's Trophy all the time, top mm-hmm. team in the NHL, Sedin's this, and Ryan Kessler and Alex Burrow, Luongo, you know, BXL. All the, all, the, all the answers were in the playoffs. And that's where the Maple Leafs are at right now. Washington was the same yeah. way for the longest time. San Jose Sharks, yeah. Thornton and Marlowe, they were the same way. And right now, like to your point, Fred, you're right. The season does not start for the Maple Leafs more against the Habs. It starts against the first round opponent in, in, in mid-April. You're, you're bang on about that because what are we going to watch for? We're going to watch for, can Austin Matthews score 60? Can Mitch Marner get 120 points? Can you know the new goaltender is going to work out? These are these are all th- these are all tiny little stories, but the big elephant in the room mm-hmm. is that yeah. first round and the opponent and getting out and how deep. Yeah, and all those things are probably going to happen, and they could very well end up in first place in in their division. Blah blah blah, on and on. Yeah. Nothing matters until they uh, they're in the playoffs. I'll tell you what, if you're interested yeah. in uh, how hockey really runs, you should watch this kid, this Jeff Merrick kid. How old are you now? Mm-hmm. 53. That's, you know what we call 53-year-olds? Kid. That's what we call yeah. them. Ah, Merrick. Ah, Merrick. Still, still barely old enough to pitch Look at you. Look at you. <laughs> That's right. Well, listen, it's always great catching up with you. I know you got to get going to the, uh, to the real radio. And Jeff Merrick, uh, watch him on the TV, listen to his podcast, follow him as I do on the Twitters. As I always say, if you don't like me, radio, podcast, television, as Howard just mentioned, blame these guys. Because if it's not for these guys, I'm not where I am now. So oh, you're you get sweet. all the blame, Howard. Well, I appreciate that. You know. Thanks, Jeff. Good to see you, buddy. Yeah, Thanks, it's boys. always be good well. catching up. Have all a good time. season, eh? Yeah, and we'll, uh, we'll check in with you uh, a time or two, I'm sure. Anytime. All the best. All, and uh, happy post-Thanksgiving. Blah, 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 Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that's Jeff Merrick. He's, uh, well, he, listen, I'm going to say he's the Gig Sky guest of the day, just like that. Even though, uh, you know, I mean, I feel like, I still feel like there's a Gig Sky guest of the day implied on our program. But uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about uh, this uh, fine organizer? And by the way, don't forget, Brett Tanner is going to be with us mm-hmm. uh, in the next half hour or so. Our buddy Tim Niblett is the retirement Sherpa. Tim, a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Uh, Tim will be by on Wednesday with more great knowledge about the world of finance, investing, and 
preparing for your golden years. Mm. Yeah, some scary times right now, no doubt about it. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, that uh, stock market up and down like a toilet seat, it really is. And uh, disturbing for some, you need a steady hand, you need a you know, a logical mind to help pull you through that, and Tim's your guy. Uh, he works on both sides of the borders. Yes, he does. And uh, Tim has uh, helped a lot of Humble and Fred uh, listeners, and uh, he can help you too. It's uh, the Retirement Sherpa, retirementsherpa.ca. Speaking of gigs, guy, Rudra was listening to our conversation. Rudra Rishi Maharaja, very good pal, and uh, Blue Jay season ticket holder. He's the one that took me to the uh, game against, uh, I think it was... I think it was Baltimore we were watching, but it doesn't matter because it was behind home plate. I'd never seen anything like it. Here's what he says, Freddie. He said, any infielder should go out to get a ball until called off by the outfielder. Right. Secondly, Springer should never have dived for the ball. Late in the game, the principle should always be, and it's what you guys were saying, keep the ball in front of you. Diving for the ball allowed for the double and the three runs scored. Had he just let the ball drop? Mm-hmm. Uh, That's what I said. Let it drop. They don't score three, and you're still... Get, yeah, keeps him to a single. Then probably only two runs would have scored, and possibly only one. But remember, in that situation, there was two out. So on contact, everybody's running, right? Yeah. No, and and, and, and that explanation uh, from Rudy aside, what about just catch the ball? That's easy. Well, it gets back to the defensive thing. It's like usually prior to that, down the stretch, he would have had his defensive alignment in by then. And why he didn't in that situation, Springer had run into the scoreboard and hurt his arm again. No, so, I know. But, 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 so. and, and, okay, but a defensive uh, managerial uh, side, why not just catch, if in, in a regular, in an average game, aren't, isn't somebody just catching that ball? Well, he could, if, if Bo Bichette hadn't have been in the position he was, he probably would have caught it because he probably let up a bit because Bo's running right at him. You yeah. can see that in your peripheral. No, exactly. Springer, as a veteran, what must have been yelling, I got it, I got it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's a, it was, and while it was happening, like I said to you, I'm watching it in real time. Like it's really happening. And then you just, I mean, I got to experience a little bit of that weird feeling of like, did, like what? <laughs> like what's happening? Did they just score again? And, and uh, we're going to be we'll we'll see that now for years to come. We'll be seeing that play, and it'll just put a you know twist your stomach having to watch it. And people will make fun of us, like Keith Oberman, and yeah. go on and on. And tip. you know, one thing I was going to say about the Raptors too. Remember that big play? I think it was. Uh, to go to the final against Philadelphia, Kawhi Leonard mm-hmm. threw that ball up and it went off the rim a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that night going, how did that go in? This is Toronto. That, <laughs> that's, that's right. That, that was supposed to rim rim out, not in. Yeah. But for some reason, it went in. So, and again, the Raptors have saved us from total anguish over the past few decades. We were talking about, like, what's a bigger meltdown, Leafs uh, v. Boston or, or the uh, Blue Jays. And I was thinking, mm-hmm. I wonder... I wonder if you guys would know off the time, because I know what I would, my answer would be one of the biggest meltdowns in golf. And I wonder if you would remember happened just before Tiger Woods. It was the year before. Yeah, Greg. Yeah, there you go. So you would get it because you're a sports guy. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Greg Norman, I think, had a six or seven shot lead Mm -hmm. going into the final round of the Masters, a tournament that he was supposed to win for about 15 years prior to that. Like, that made it excruciating for a lot of reasons, not the least of which, at the time, he was the most 
prominent, powerful, popular, a bunch of other things that starts with P, golfer on the, in the world. And here was his chance. All he had to do, you want to talk about putting out your defensive you know, um, strategy. All he had to do was shoot, I don't know, something like even par. Maybe one, and he shot 78 in the last round, which is like indescribably bad for a golfer. And I've seen it a few times since. It's excruciating. But, uh, you know, yeah, that, that I guess that's it's a little bit different. He if he's your favorite player, it affects you in a certain way. Sure. It's just when a city collectively has this tag. Oh, yeah. And it just continuously happened. It just it's just it was something else. Like when that thing ended the other night, I just stared at it like I shut it off. I didn't want want to watch Seattle celebrate and um and look at the Blue Jays. It was just, I just sat there and I thought, this didn't happen again, did it? Like, am I sitting here as a Toronto sports fan again? Yeah. Like, having to go through something like this? What? You know, it'll be known as the the, the 8-1 game. Because that's what oh. everyone was saying. 8-1. You're, if you're yeah. winning 8-1, you're supposed to not lose. 10-9. Or whatever the fuck the final well, score was. Again, did you know um, the last 54 straight times the Jays have scored nine runs, they won? <laughs> of course, oh, yeah. Of course. I sent me that. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. Of course they did. Mm-hmm. Listen, I'm not anywhere near. I mean, I'm a, even though I've lived in this city now half my life. So I have an affinity and an affection for Toronto sports teams because they're kind of my teams. I, you know, mm-hmm. the fact that I hate the Leafs Society is because I was born out west, but I've now witnessed it a few times. You know, I've watched that Boston game. You know, I watched the playoffs and uh, I had the same feeling. I was texting you and then at the end I was just sort of sitting there going, well, this sucks. And I was a little bewildered by how, how it was allowed to happen. Blue Jays went 18-0 and this year when scoring nine-plus runs. And again, I don't... The defensive thing, I just don't understand. You're up by that score in the, you know... What was it? Up by seven in the sixth inning. Springer runs into the scoreboard, hurts his wrist. I mean, he gets a lot of injuries. Again, with that cushion, you don't need a lot of offense. No. As Jeff said, you need defense. Why would you have not done that? So what's your thoughts about that? And what have you read? What, what was his? What do you think, John? Uh, what's his name? The manager? Schneider. Schneider. I, I, I guess part of it is, you know, this is a big game. Your stars have got you here all season. You don't want to take them out. I, I don't know, Howard. But I'll tell you, a, a few of those decisions by John Schneider on Saturday may cost him not continuing as manager because he's only interim. It's just bizarre. Yeah, but. It is bizarre. And those stats just, I was going to say, those statistics, you know, sort of reaffirm that when you're up 8-1 in the sixth inning, I don't care if your Hmm. bases are loaded or whatever they were, there was two out. Plus, they got to figure out, they got $56 million in pitching. So $56 million a year in pitching they can't use. They couldn't use down the stretch because um, Jose Barrios was... 20 million a year. He sucked. They couldn't they couldn't trust him. Uh Kikuchi, 16 million a year. Couldn't trust him. And then uh, Ryu is out with uh surgery at 20 million a year. So 56 million dollars in pitching. Wow. Couldn't be used. 
You that's know, a, that's you know. another big issue. And when because, they brought, listen, Rogers likes to spend money, but they don't like to waste a lot of it. So, by the way, speaking of Rogers, they uh, have you seen their ads about how uh, about taking care because because of the big schlamazola when the yes. fucking network went down. Mm-hmm. Now their ads are all about how we're going to guarantee service and our service will be. I thought that was kind of interesting. By the way, be speaking of sports, I know you've already talked about this fine company, but listen to this message. Cursing during your commute again. Do you find yourself living at work instead of working from home? Couldn't this have been an email? When it feels like all that's left is work hard, you know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Play free casino games, get poker tips, and check out the latest sports odds. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. Uh, I'm not sure if you want to continue this, but I had a couple other topics I'd like to throw by you. Yeah, no, I mean, what more can you say? Yeah, it's just crazy. Just another, just another moment in Toronto sports history. So without, I mean, most people by now have heard about the, uh, speaking of meltdowns, a week ago, Kanye West, who had been banned from Twitter, came back and uh, Elon Musk, who apparently is now going back to buying Twitter, texts, uh, to Kanye West and his 31 million followers. Welcome back to Twitter, my friend. Mm-hmm. And uh, last week, prior to this thing, I'm going to read you. Kanye West got in trouble for wearing an All Lives Matter shirt. No, white lives matter. Oh, I'm sorry, White Lives Matter. Yeah. And as you mentioned to me prior to the show, I guess Fox News went, you know, was just in love with that. You know, what was their take on that? Why, why was that such a big? Uh, well, it's just freedom of speech and it's right. You know, all lives matter. And they love it when a black guy does that yeah. stuff like that, because then they can, you know, it can, they can prop them up, put them on TV. And it makes it makes them look like, hey, we're not racist. Look, yeah. well, it's, we're giving some attention to this black guy who's got a message. It's just so disingenuous and evil. But anyway. Yeah, it really is. And and I know a lot of people who listen to us sometimes go, here we go again with the U.S. politics of Trump. But it's, you know, we're living in these uh, unprecedented times, yet not. I mean, one of the things I wanted to bring up, too, as a sidebar to this is the it's so fascinating how around the world that that sort of populist leaders are popping up again in Italy. It happened once again, you know, the right movement around the planet seems to be happening again, much like it did in the middle thirties prior to world war two. The fact that the right wing media, a good slice of them in the States and around the planet, including here in Canada is actually supporting Vladimir Putin blows me away. Mm-hmm. Parking that for a second. So back to Kanye. So he wakes up and uh, on this is uh, the weekend. He wakes up and says, I'm a bit sleepy tonight. But when I like when I wake up, I'm going death con three on Jewish people. He mm-hmm. tweeted Saturday night. You guys have toyed with me and tried to blackball anyone who opposes your agenda. So. You know, I've said this to you a bunch of times, like anti-Semitism is the leading hate 
you mm-hmm. know what I mean? The leading hate statistic here in Toronto in terms of, and the Anti-Defamation League will back that up, but it's pretty, once again, it's happening around the world. But but I just wonder now he's been banned and, and but so where's Fox News going to be on this? Because that's such an old you people uh, and anyone who opposes your agenda like this minority group of people around planet Earth have this secret agenda that keeps getting trotted out all the time. Whether it's Marjorie Taylor Greene saying the Jews have lasers that have created uh, wildfires or these mm-hmm. fucking nuts who think that somehow uh, the, the, the left wing, you know, figured out a way to create a, a hurricane to harm mm-hmm. Florida. They're just but again, there's always that sort of Jewish element there. Why do you why do you suppose that is? I don't know. I can't. I, you know, I'm sort of mystified by it all. How that doesn't have the impact that other stuff does you know tucker carlson had him on for had kanye or ye on uh, for two nights last week like a two-part interview or something and this was prior to the jewish attack what's he thinking now he probably just doesn't care no you know tucker it was important to him to get that white lives matter message across because we know what he's all about not only that, this weekend, this Alabama se- Senator uh, Tommy uh, Tuberville, Tuberville yeah. took a shot at black people saying they don't deserve reparations, basically, because they commit all the crimes. Yeah, they're all criminals. Yeah. That got way more attention than the Kanye West thing. And he's almost threatening death. Death. De- death. death. He not th- almost. He threatened yeah. death on Jewish. What if he had said, I'm a bit sleepy mm-hmm. tonight, but when I wake up, I'm going death con three on Christian people. Exactly. So that sort of is just out there. And then most of the news coverage I saw on the weekend was the Tuberville, Tuberville or Tuberville or whatever. He's in, you want to talk about a creepy asshole. Oh, yeah. Guy, something else, too. So, and, you know, and again, he's another one of these uh, Republicans that uh, is getting all sorts of support on Fox News. And they just, you know, and the Herschel Walker <sighs> stuff. Now, now it's been. You know, apparently a second abortion, and he asked her to get a third and fathered a child, and he's had four kids now and totally ignored them. All the thing, all the things that evangelicals and the Christian right, Fox News is against, he is committed. Yeah. But because he's a Republican and they want that Senate, all of a sudden, Herschel Walker's A-OK. Well, it's like that woman. We played the clip last week, and the clip's being played all over the place. I don't know if she's a right-wing talk show host who said, I don't care. I, I don't care if he aborted a bald yes. eagle. I want the Senate. And that's all they want. And I've said it a million ways. They, it doesn't matter if, they, if it's good for people or bad. There's no way Herschel Walker, I don't care what he's done. I mean, it's despicable. But that man... No offense is not smart enough to guide anything. He's a moron. And that's more of a that's more yeah. offensive to me than I don't care how many kids he's fathered or paid paid for abortions. It's just like what? That's who's gonna be in charge for six years, by the way. That's a yeah. six year term. He's not mentally equipped for that job. A lot of them aren't, and but it doesn't matter to them. I'm going death, death. Con three on Jewish people. If that had been any yeah. other name, yeah. or, what if he had said, "I'm going death con three on uh, Muslim people"? I'd love no, to see I him do that. I really I know, would. I know because I know. the Muslim people would not stand for it. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. 
Like, um, is Tucker going to have them on this week? <laughs> yeah, apparently Tucker's got a new uh, documentary or some shit where men are tanning their balls, but I can't really be bothered to get into it. But I, I, I heard there were some clips where in order to be a real man, you have to tan your ball sack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Dan Duran, speaking of ball sack. Dan, Tucker, Dan Carlson, Tucker Carlson is anything but a man. Oh, God. He's a despicable, slimy little weasel. There's a guy I follow on Twitter to put together about a five-minute montage of all the crazy right-wing shit that's happened this week from the woman talking about aborting bald eagles to a Trump rally and Trump talking about... Do you see this clip where Trump said uh, that somebody told him once that if... Uh, Abraham Lincoln came back from the dead that uh, that Trump would still beat him as president if he ran for president. No, if Abraham, he said someone once told him that if Abraham Lincoln and George Washington came back from the dead <laughs> and ran in a president vice president ticket that Trump would still beat him by 40 percent. Right. <laughs> it's, it's fucking hilarious. One thing to watch for, and I don't know the names, L.A. City Council. They've uncovered some tape of L.A. City Councilors talking about another councilor, a white guy who adopted a black kid. Now, these are, are, are Spanish yes. or Latin American or whatever, Mexican, whatever they are, councilors who apparently I didn't know between the um, Latin American and black communities. There's some hatred there for whatever reason. But they take all these shots at this guy and the kid, the white father who adopted the black kid. They take, And they're all left-wing Democrats, right? So, again, I'm sure Fox News will be all over this. It just so happens this is, this is what they love. They could grab something like that now and put it on and say, see? Yeah. They're just as bad as we are. See? You know what they call on the kid. On some level, that's true. It is true. But... But it's the timing here is really it's very well, yeah. And you know they called the kid, right? Did you hear what she called him? Uh, yeah. What, what, what was she, it? She yeah. called him a gorilla or a monkey, or a monkey or something yeah, like that. It was pretty gross, yeah. is yeah. what it was. And 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 listen, there's no doubt that there are people on the left as well as the right that are, you know, pretty despicable, etc. Yes. It's just the agendas differently, uh, different is presented differently. Dan Duran, are you? Uh, how's your uh, connectivity there? You say you look much better than you did when you were in the backwoods. Well, thank you. Yes, and uh, on the four hundred one now. So uh, now we got some uh, cell coverage, and uh, I think we're doing good. And uh, how do you feel about uh, doing the news from uh, what are you calling it? Studio Mobile One or <laughs> Mobile Studio One? Mobile yeah. Studio One. Okay, you feel okay about yeah. that? I feel good. Well, let's get uh, let's get to now, it. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes as for credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchor man's here. He's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care, and his voice is nice and low. My voice is nice and low. And now from a car on the uh, eastbound 401 driving his son off to seek fame and fortune in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Here with news and views is Dan Duran. There is a chess cheater upsetting the fun people in the world of chess, resulting in a butt scan. Hans Niemann, a 19-year-old low-ranking grandmaster, recently beat the number one-ranked player in the world. 
Magnus Carlson. I was yeah, out of nowhere. Oh, okay. You're back now. Yeah. Yeah. You're, it's, yeah, uh, you're just kind of warbled through the entire thing there. Oh, should I start over again? Or just oh, no. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. I heard this story about this kid. Uh, he's not a low ranked. He's not lowly ranked. He's one of the he's lower ranked. But it, this whole scandal in the chess world. Oh, yeah, it's, it's popping all over the place. Well, in the tournament, he was the lowest ranking person in that tournament. And then he beat the, you know, a, a, the grandmaster of the world or yes. whatever the top name is. And he was on a 50 game winning streak at the time. So like top of the top of his game. So that people were. So then what happened is that, uh, well, people were calling him out. Hans admitted to cheating, but only twice in life. Very young. Yeah, in an online chess Yeah, he, but chess that's the thing is, I, I, what, I, what I didn't understand the, uh, is chess.com. He, he was cheating online, which I I figured, I guess you could do that if you're just doing uh, it from the computer. The yeah, but uh, I don't know how they've accused him of cheating while he's playing in person. That's the part that I didn't understand. In fact, the one there was a match a couple weeks ago against this guy where the grandmaster of the chess world, the Neiman kid, made one move, and this guy got up and left. Like, that's a part of this whole thing that I didn't really understand. Me neither. Well, there was. Now Dan's gone again. Yes, it's not working. Oh, well. Well, it was so wor- oh, it was okay. working so right. well. Mm-hmm. Um, it really was. In the it was... back roads, it was working. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's weird. Well, uh... Well, not worry about it then. Just okay. Well, I, I, I've got a clip here, though. If you can hear me, this last little I... part was. Yeah, you got a clip for the next story. Yeah, but you're not. Uh, you're, by the you, way, it was uh, cheating through online, uh, through uh, IR. Okay. Well, no, sweet well, boy. It's, it's not. We'll just, uh, just. No, I get it. It was a, a crapshoot anyway. I'll stop the video and see if that helps at all. Yeah, stop the video because we can actually hear you. So. Right. Okay. So the, how about now? Better. I'll just pick it up, and if one last shot, then we'll forget this about it. This episode of Humble and Fred was what brought to you by was, Bodog, the on. retirement Sherpa. Okay, this is no good. Sorry, I'm. <laughs> I think this is very challenging for the listener. <laughs> oh, listen, man. Yeah. Every day, right. every day on this show is challenging for the listener. <laughs> you know what? The score is eight to one for the show right now. <laughs> the score is always eight to one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are the fucking Maple Leafs. Uh, I got to get this thing that Dan sent. The one I, part about that chess story. The one part about yes. the chess story. Was yes, sir. That they were they were saying that he was cheating by using vibrating anal beads. Oh, those. And, uh, so so that was the whole crux of this. I don't know how you cheat with vibrating anal beads. Apparently, so, must have had somebody else in behind the scenes sending messages through his vibration, through his anus, various levels of the beads yeah. or something to through. Morse yeah, code. Morse code, perhaps with your. Uh, you know that's know, a, you know what that that's the kind of commitment to winning we needed from the Blue Jays. I, I would love to hear that exclamation. So if it vibrates close to your prostate, move yeah. your kick. That's if right. It vibrates, you know. Near your uh, <laughs> then move your queen. Like, queen tonight. Queen tonight. Three. <laughs> yeah, what is that? I don't know. Man. <laughs> it's funny. It is funny. Mm-hmm. Anything with vi- any story that has vibrating anal beads. That's a that's a winner here on this show. <laughs> great. Remember story Howard? For us. Remember Howard years ago at the edge and 
we had that young woman come in promoting her vibrating panties. Yes. She was wearing them, and you and I got to control the little thing. Yes, I do. Well, she was wearing them and using them, and yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. That was, a, that was a moment, wasn't you it? You know, there's... Humble and Fred time? If you, it's funny you brought that up, because there's a, a billboard on the Gardener as I come off the 427 into the city, and it's yeah. for a company called Pink Cherry, and they sell sex uh, toys. And right. one of the things they sell is a, a Wii Vibe. And, and we, I'm, I think we've even talked about that uh, somewhere on the show, but basically it's a little vibrator that right. is, uh, you put it, the woman puts it in her area, in the pee-pee area. And I don't want to get too technical. But the cool thing about it is, because uh, it basically says, uh, from anywhere in the world. So what you can do, if that's your partner, you could be, you know, at home and control it using your phone. Mm, right. So she could be out with the girls. She could be out with the girls. And, you know, unbeknownst to them. Mm-hmm. You're at home in between uh, the Blue Jays bobbling fucking uh, balls to the outfield. You can just, you know, turn it up. She could be at church on a Sunday morning. Something like that. Oh, any scenario. Oh, yeah. We could just think of scenarios. Sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Could be visiting with her parents. (laughs) Okay. And what else? Mm -hmm. She might be. Maybe she's a a young teacher at grade school and she's Mm -hmm. got a grade three class. And while they're coloring. Mm hmm. Do you, uh, you know, uh, we're going to wait here a second from uh, Brett Tanner's uh, coming up. going to talk insurance. But um, I guess Dan's done. You know, I, there was a, I had a really sweet encounter with one of our neighbors who uh, I, I told you I was at this dog birthday party. Did I tell you about that? Yes. Yeah, it was fun. And uh, while I was there. A bunch of the neighbor, a few people around here that I didn't really even know or thought would know who we were, were like very nice complimentary about the show. Dan, can you hear me? Yes, I can now. Because I wanted you to hear this. Uh, So one of my neighbors who wasn't at the dog birthday party, but sort of is in that group of people, she walked by with her dog the other day and I said hi. And she said, uh, you guys, you, Fred and Dan are hilarious. And I said, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. She goes, yeah, you guys are like, wait for it. She goes, you're like the three stooges. (laughs) And I thought, well, there's a funny reference for the three of us. Like, okay. We're the three three stooges. <laughs> so uh, anyway, but she really enjoys our you know ban- the banter between the three of us, and uh, she right. was just trying to express herself, Fred. Okay, I know. I know. You know, some people reach back for, with references like that. You know, <laughs> that's to be expected. Oh. We hear that kind of thing from time to time. I just thought that was funny. I've never been compared to though. <laughs> you guys are like three's company. Um. Uh, Dan, do you want to uh, attempt this uh, Trump story that I have a clip for for that you've given me? Or do you want to uh, what was the Trump story? Sure. Well, I go ahead. Play the clip. OK, I'm going to play the clip. Yeah, let's play the clip. I can do that uh, without your participation. Here's a clip of right. Donald uh, Trump. George H.W. Bush took millions of documents to a former bowling alley and a former Chinese restaurant where they combined them. So they're in a bowling alley slash Chinese restaurant. No. Bowling alley Chinese restaurant. uh So he claimed that Barack Obama moved truckloads of documents to a former furniture store in Chicago. Bill Clinton carted records from the White House to a former car dealership in Arkansas. And that you just heard that clip about Bush. In actual reality, the National Archives and Records Administration staff 
uh, not the former presidents, transported presidential records to sort them at a facility using security protocols and the rest. They just needed a space to put all these records and then figured it out, right? It had nothing to do with the presidents, unlike whatever Trump did by actually moving documents from the White House sorting them at his own place personally Mm -hmm. totally different situation yeah with clinton and bush and obama what it was is they were prepping for their libraries and they move the documents they do a pre-site investigation they go and find out and these are former places obviously not a bowling alley or a chinese restaurant but it was the type of building that could be secured properly for those documents documents while they waited to move them to their libraries so if Trump doesn't talk about that, and he's got to get the Chinese thing in there, too, doesn't he? Yeah, it's, you know, it's just never fade. They never just, yeah. mm-hmm. one thing about, I will say them, I give them a compliment, those mm-hmm. fuckers, they just never fail to disappoint. They, or to, um, they never fail to, you know what I mean? They never disappoint. It's always something, bowling alley and Chinese food restaurant. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, the, the way they've spun this, it's mm-hmm. just so bizarre to me. And, and uh, you've made a point. I made this point. If it were the Democrats, these right wing nut jobs would go crazy. They'd be asking the question, why were you moving top secret documents to your golf resort? But that just gets so lost in all this. And that's why, you know, well, even before uh when uh, Trump was complaining about Hillary Clinton's email and and also uh, treatment of documents, he had a whole diatribe about how uh, when he got into power, the documents would be highly secure and he'd bring in new legislation and oh, all yeah. the rest of that. No, I played and that so, clip uh, last week, Dan. Yeah, and flipped around, totally flipped around. Well, and yeah. if you want to be fair, even if uh, we'll give you that, the Hillary email thing, we'll give you that. It was wrong. So if in your mind it was so wrong, why is now the Trump thing okay? Yeah. If you're so committed to what's right through Hillary, why aren't you with Trump? Yeah. Well, that's the big... Hey, that's politics, I understand, but even a, you know, you don't have to be a wizard to, like, just see the hypocrisy in that. (laughs) Although, you know, if you were a wizard, that would be cool, because you could just put an end to it all. Yeah, <laughs> he was the wizard of uh, uh, Dan. You know, we're going to be talking to Brett Tanner here in a second or two. I don't know if you want to continue to hang on. What is the traffic like on the 401 East? Have you passed the Big Apple yet? Uh, don't know. Haven't uh, been paying attention, but the, it's around the Big Apple that we're at right now. For sure. Yeah, the I, big I apple is transport uh, trucks on the road. It's just astonishing. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. The uh, Big Apple is, uh, I think, a little bit uh, west of Belleville. I think. Yeah, we're not quite there yet. It's around, it's, isn't it around Col- Colburn or something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I don't think it's that far. Out How are you enjoying like, the uh, fall colors, by the way? They're stunning this year. Stunning fall colors. I, we're talking about this with uh, Colton yesterday up here where, where we are in Peterborough. It's around 70, 80% uh, colorful. And this morning when we uh, left, it was foggy. So from high elevations, you look down in the low, the low fog uh, with the, the colorful fall leaves peeking out the top of the fog. It was just mm. stunning. I bet. Stunning. Um, have you guys noticed there's more uh, richer and deeper reds this year? I was told by an expert that uh, the fact that there's such a vibrant, apparently more red than usual is to do due to the fact that we had less moisture 
in the summertime than we normally do. We had a couple months of very little rain, and that somehow affects the pH balance of uh, the uh, the way the leaves release their uh, whatever. I, I got wow. lost there, but that's as far as I go. It's the moments okay. up north when you look at the colors and the mirror that is the lake and the and the mist above it. You, for a few short moments, you can forget the turmoil the the earth is in. Uh, you know, you can just sit and relax and yeah. take that in without thinking about the economy and the wars and the and Trump and Putin and all those the blue jays and dropping balls and uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it really has been like, I, I don't know if this is normal, but there's been and we were talking about golfing today, but there's been some great yeah. fall golf days where, you know, it's like the the light looks different. The uh, there's an actual warmth in the air, but you can sort of feel some of that chill underneath. And and today's going to be another one just like that. Although that's um, a little hard to take from you, because to the average guy, you know, a good golf day to you might not be to the average guy because you called me the other day. You were out on Friday. <laughs> I know. And yeah. it's like, wow, you must really love the sport because it is a rotten day. And that I Friday know you was said terrible. it was a lousy day. But to actually even think, ah, I'm going to go out today really says something about your commitment to the sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. when you make it, I know, listen, I know I'm a nuts, but sometimes when you point it out, it's like, oh, yeah, it's a bit weird. Yeah, I don't Friday love the sport brutal. enough to have to put gloves on between shots. I just don't. That's what I told him. I, Dan, I have <laughs> yeah. these, uh, I have these mittens. Speaking of mittens, you just reminded me of something. I was, uh, I had to look it up because I, again, I haven't watched enough baseball in recent years to notice this. And for some reason, I didn't notice it at the actual game I was watching with Rudy but base runners wear these mittens now. They look like oven mitts. They look like oven mitts. Like, yeah. what happened? Because I'll tell you what, in the old days, the men who played the sport didn't wear oven mitts. It keeps their wrists straight so that if they're stealing a base, they don't have their wrists uh, bent back or if the other guy steps on their hands when they're stealing or whatever. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. I, I, again, I was looking at it. I'm thinking, okay, what is, what is going on? And that's what it is. So they don't jam their hand as they go into the, which I guess makes yeah. sense. Yeah. But in the 60s, do you think those guys, those guys would have ever even dreamed of wearing something like that? Well, they barely even wore batting helmets. You know, you mentioned What's something with Merrick that uh, one of the outfielders was looking at his card. Explain that to people. Well, it's just, you know, based on the hitter, it's uh, where is his tendency to hit the ball, and you just move uh, accordingly. So that's what that's all about. You know, it's a game of analytics, Howard. It's like, you know, the shift, you know, that thing that's going to be eliminated next year. It started to hurt the sport because you take, if a guy was more inclined to hit the ball to right field, everybody moved to the right side, even the third baseman sometimes to the right side of second base. Well, they're not going to allow that anymore. Um, again, uh, what, based what, on analytics, and this guy gets up, and, you know, like 98% of the time he hits the ball to the right side. So you stack that side up. Next year, you're only going to be allowed to have two men on each side of the base. That's it. That's a weird. How are they going to prevent that? Yeah, how well, they no, because well, they, they're, they're going to prevent it by saying you can't do it. But I found it more yeah. fascinating. that they, How can they even put that in as a rule? Because that's part of the strategy of, a, of managing pitcher or hitters is to shade everyone over to their to the spot they normally hit yeah, it. Yeah, but it got to the point where it's affecting offense. Ah, know? I see. 
you know, and you got to, they've got, listen, they're having some issues with younger audiences and just yeah. like anybody else. And it's just, uh, so what are they going to do? Put lines on the field out in the outfield? So you no, no, it's just when, down. when the pitchers on the mound there's got to be two guys on what the third baseman and the shortstop on one side and the second baseman and the first guy now once the ball's hit you can move it's just you're not going to be able to line up to stack it up there yeah but you are going to be able to put a couple people you're saying so it'd be on either side of second base on the first and second on on the on the right side of second base and the second and third the third baseman on the other side I was thinking Basically. maybe they could, put, yeah. they could put vibrating collars on the players so that they no, could be on. Uh, no, <laughs> anal beads, vibrating anal, anal beads, beads yeah. so that if you step over a certain line, it's like one of those dog collars. Yeah, except it vibrates inside your prostate and, yeah. a, little, and, a, little drip, and a little drip comes out your pee hole. Mm-hmm. That's what happened to Springer on Saturday. Somebody just, you know, they got a little over anxious or a little rambunctious with the, uh, the vibrating uh, anal beads. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I saw a story this weekend. I, I thought of you too because you love your Costco. That there's, um, you know, the Costco. The price of the Costco rotisserie chicken has not increased, even though inflation would say it should cost more. What is the so in the states? This was an American story. That's four ninety nine. What is it? Is it similar in Canada? Last time I bought no seven ninety nine. Okay, yeah, seven ninety nine. But but the uh, CFO or whatever, some guy from Costco in the states was saying, "We're never, we're never going to increase the price." Here comes Brent. We're never going to increase the price of the rotisserie chicken, even though they lose not hundreds of millions, but like uh, tens of millions a year. They lose it on the rotisserie chicken because it's such a, a draw for people. Well, it's like the hot dogs, yeah, like the, the hot, hot dogs. Eater. Yeah, it's a lost leader. People come in to grab their chicken and, oh, I'll grab this and grab that and grab this and grab that yeah. while I'm here. Yeah. And then their point was, the reason they do it is, as you're right, it's a lost leader, a lost leader. But they, they position, and they showed this map of Costco where they position the chicken in a way that you have to go through everything in Costco <laughs> to get to the chicken. Or they have to, you have to go through a strategic um, plan that they have. Mm-hmm. And as he said, no one goes into Costco and just buys the chicken and leaves. No, exactly. It's uh, it's good. I must say, a little. They really ram the salt and whatever oh, yeah. into it. Yeah, it's probably a little bit uh, yeah. saturated with the MSG. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Dan, uh, stand by for uh, a few minutes here as we uh, switch gears. I wonder what the chamber plan. Uh, I wonder what their rotisserie chicken is. I'll tell you what. The guy in charge is a uh, fine gentleman. Had the uh, speaking of golf, I had the opportunity to play with this uh, fella a couple weeks ago, and uh, we had a lovely day on the golf course with uh, you know uh, a couple of colleagues. Well, why don't you just uh, play? Why don't I just what? Okay, that's Dan Duran talking to me. Um, Brett Tanner's here, and Brett, I don't know the name of the woman we played with that day. Was it Jane? Jane. Yes. Jane said something that has stuck with me for weeks now. Because we were golfing, and Jane is a very nice player, Fred. But a couple times, Jane would miss a putt, and she says, oh, man, golf is so mean. <laughs> I said, "I said, you know what, Jane, I'm stealing that, because you're right. Golf can be mean. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was uh, very, very good, along with, who was the other kid we played with? Very nice player, too. 
Uh, Dan. Dan, yes. Very good. And uh, we had a nice day that day, and Brett uh, texted me a week or so later. Had a, he had one of your best rounds of the year after we had uh, worked on a couple things with your driving, and uh, I was happy to hear that. Yeah, it was, uh, it, was a, it was a good day, and, uh, you know, golf is mean. <laughs> it's fucking so mean. Well, that, that, after some schooling by Howard, you had that wonderful round. Have you been able to maintain it? Uh, golf is mean. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. There's something, there's something about getting been, golf. Uh, yeah, I've been hot and cold. It, yeah. It's been yeah. there, uh, you know, it's there one round, and the next round it's kind of missing, so it's... Mm-hmm. it's I kind of struggle with uh, well you like, and everyone else that's what I would say you never get golf you just kind of rent it for a while uh, I tell you what we've been talking about the chambers plan for a long time and and one of the things that Brett you know proposed we we mentioned today and I think it's a good one is you know why is and, and you know we talk about it ourselves but you know maybe we talk to a guy you know knows it better than anyone why is it such a great deal for small businesses Maybe let's reiterate for people that are new to our program why we recommend this so much. Maybe you can talk a little bit about it, Brett. Yeah, I mean, the the plan's unique in the marketplace because it is actually an affinity program for uh, Chamber of Commerce Board of Trade members. So um, the plan's designed with businesses with one to 100 employees in mind, providing a bunch of resources and those kind of things. But it's also designed to give them stable renewals and fair pricing. So uh, it runs as a not-for-profit program, which helps to lower the overhead. It doesn't collect reserves, which most of the plans in the marketplace do. Um, and, you know, because of, because of the pooling system, it, it acts as a shock absorber. When, you're, when your firm has that year where your claims kind of go up uh, suddenly and you're, you're kind of not expecting it, um, you get a softer sort of landing on the other side. Um, and for the smaller firms, they can go fully pooled. So, they they essentially tick along every year at two to four percent, and and uh, in, in our world, that's that's fantastic plan inflation. But uh, even for the larger firms, the sort of partial pooling really is effective because there's low low overhead on the program. You know, you, first of all, being a not for profit, you're you're taking eight or ten percent out right off yeah. the top, and then not collecting reserves and and having a pooling system means you know these firms can sort of budget that. You know they're they're going to have a sort of more predictable renewals, and um, you know the the biggest issue in our industry has always been that you know the, the marketing money from carriers tends to go into discounting the plan to entice you to come over to them. Mm-hmm. And basically, on the renewal with less premium going in and your claims are at a normal level, you you see a big uh, big renewal increase every year, every two years, every three years, whatever the renewal period is. And, and um, then they kind of try to hang on to you as a client at that, at that particular point. So firms are forced to move from carrier to carrier. Sometimes it's not even service issues or anything like that. It's more, more to do with, you know, we just can't afford this 30% renewal increase we just got. Yeah, the old bait and switch. I mean, a lot of insurance companies do that. I'll tell you, I've had that experience. But, hey, um, been around for 40 years. That says a lot. In itself, in thirty thousand Canadian businesses, that's quite a story. That's quite a legacy. It is, and and um, in, in fact, the plan in some form has been around probably closer to fifty. So, mm. uh, you know, from its original roots in sort of Winnipeg, it uh, it's it's kind of grown and, and expanded nationally. But uh, um, you know, I, we we just had our our national conference and. 
there were some folks there that have represented the plan since you know the early 80s so you know <laughs> kind of you know they're not the youngest people on you know that we have working with us but hmm. but there's still a few of them around that that were there from you know literally day one and and that kind of uh, consistency is uh, is important in our business because uh, clients want to have the same person to talk to. Mm-hmm. They, they, uh, you know, it's it's like you know you're you're doing your financial planning at a bank, and and every six months or year, your your rep is gone, and mm-hmm. there's a new rep there, and um, you know that's just very difficult to sort of manage those relationships when you don't have one. Well, I, I, you know, listen, my insurer for my house and my car right now is Aviva. Try to talk to the same person twice. It's almost impossible. And it, that is so frustrating because it used to be because you would have that person. You know, I'll call Bob, I'll call Tim, whatever it was, right. or Bernice. Bernice. You know what I'm saying? You, could, you had that relationship. They're really moving away from that. And that, that's a key factor with, with the Chambers plan. Yeah, our relationship. Our staff are the same people. So, mm-hmm. so you know, a lot of the um, plan administrators, you know, they've been calling Winnipeg with a question, you know, that maybe they're not going to their advisor with. But they're calling actually the same person, the same extension, yes. uh, you know, with the plan for the last 20, 25 years. Right. I was going to say, but our advisor, Rod, has been so good with us and good with mm-hmm. me. I mean, I, I have a, any questions we have and anytime yep. we need something. I want to just also quickly talk about some of the things. I mean, the plan is always changing. It's evolving. And again, if you're a small business and you're hearing this for the first time, we the story is that Fred and I were members of the Chamber Plan before the Chamber Plan was a, a supporter of this program. And we've seen it change and, and grow. Uh, there's some things coming this fall in the mental health resource area and the lifestyle spending account. Talk a little bit about those before we let you go. Sure. Um we're going to get into more detail in a, in a future show on this, but but we're we're adding in uh, you know a significant suite of additional products in the in the mental health resources area. So um, you know employers can't deal with this. They're not particularly small businesses. They're not built to deal with an employee that has some mental health issues and and how to navigate sort of those kind of um, situations. So um, the plans in the process of adding, we already have a, a, a full suite of sort of uh, products there that help. Um, many of them included with the plan at no additional charge. And, and that's going to be expanded through our relationships with Teladoc and Arete. We're continuing to uh, provide additional resources in those particular areas. And we'll have more details on that shortly, but those things will be launched uh, later this fall. And in addition to that, there's going to be additional flexibility on the health health care spending accounts. And we're adding a lifestyle spending account. And for those of you sort of unfamiliar with what those are, it's it's where the employer sort of picks a, a number and they say, okay, for, for each employee, we're going to give them, you know, $1,000 that they can spend as a flex benefit on whatever they want in terms of something that's covered by health and dental plans would go under the HSA. But the lifestyle spending account is is more for your employer decides they want to cover your gym membership or uh, education or additional things that might be, uh, you know, maybe it's a gym membership to keep their staff fit and, hmm. and vibrant, you know, those kind of things. That is, that is so progressive, especially the mental health. You know, they, you know, the question, is COVID over? I'll tell you, COVID is not over from the standpoint the mental health hit so many people took and are still suffering from. Um, so, again, it's such a great idea. 
the, the <laughs> mental health aspect of this. And we're, we're seeing um, it's, it's not even the COVID itself. It's, it's the mm. uh, work from home. The yeah. isolation uh, yeah. has created some some significant issues. So it's kind of funny because a lot of people don't want to go back into the office full time. So employers are really struggling to get them back. Mm-hmm. But by the same to- token, the employees who don't want to go back, they're mm-hmm. they're having issues with isolation, but they don't want to go in. So it's it's a real yeah. conundrum trying to figure yeah. out uh, you know how to how to navigate uh, some of these. Issues. Well, listen, yeah. man, I appreciate you coming in and uh, giving us an update. And for people who are just hearing about the chamber plan for the first time, man, what a uh, bonus it's been for our little company, you know, with three or four employees, all the way up to 130,000 Canadian businesses and all kinds of improvements. And it gives you a chance to sort of set your budget year to year and know you're not going to get hosed uh, trying to renew your insurance. Brett Tanner, uh, good luck. Hope you have some nice uh, fall rounds before it snows. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for this morning. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Brett. Good to see you, buddy. That'll, that'll be our little... We should start a little group, Brett. Golfismean.com. <laughs> take care of yourself, sir. All right. Take care. That's Brett Tanner. Yeah, it's quite a story, man. That whole uh, lifestyle mental health thing is, as you said, so progressive. Yes. You know, it doesn't... Uh, not all. Not a lot of companies, you know, back when you and I were first starting, did that. You just don't want to deal with it. You know? no, it's, no. Not, it's not like a tummy ache or a broken bone. It's like, you know, you know that age-old thing about mental health? Oh, suck it up. Yeah, well, Sorry, it ain't that simple. People aren't, you know, people were... That's, that sort of suck it up... Uh, that, that, that was said for a long time. It never worked. Um, we're going uh, gonna to have to go now, but I'll tell you, tomorrow's going to be another great guest. We had Merrick on today. Tomorrow... We're blessed with a another appearance from one of our favorites, that being uh, the uh, amazing uh, Ralph Ben Murgy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not sure where we'll find our boy Dan Duran tomorrow, but uh, he's no longer in you know in contact with us. <laughs> he's going to be in Montreal. Hopefully, it'll be a stable connection. Yeah, I wonder if he's going to take. Uh, well, no, I wouldn't. Say, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I was going to say. You know, maybe they'll do a little father-son trip to Chez Paris. I mean, I don't know what goes on with the mm-hmm. modern people. Last time I was there, two Russian women were yes, uh, yes. performing oral sex on each other. I know. It's crazy. I know. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I know they were. I think it was uh, Volka and Schlinmana. Okay. No. It's crazy. You know, you sit there and they introduce it and this is happening in front of you. And it's like, what? How could this be? Imagine how delighted they were when they just looked out in the audience. <laughs> Me and Brian Collins. And saw you and Brian Collins. And they're like, is that the great Fred Patterson? <laughs> just stop for a second. Um, all right. Thanks, everybody. Here uh, with, um, I know this is his, uh, he's given me this. It's pre-recorded. Uh, we'll say goodbye. And now here's Dan Duran. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, and HealthGage. You can email us, humbleandfred at humbleandfredradio.com. And on whatever platform you're listening, help us out by, you know, liking, subscribing, giving us all the stars and stuff. Tell your friends, too. Even your mom. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, no matter where I am, I'm here for you. I'm Dan Duran, and I approve this me. All right. Have a nice day, everyone. Enjoy this uh, beautiful blast of summer.